40% chance of a wintry mix and a high of 44, 40% chance of rain on Friday night with a low of 40 degrees. Stay tuned. Coming up next, Talking Vets with Staff Sergeant Doug, Doug Sam. And good evening. It's 7 p.m., so let's talk vets. Why not, right? This program is produced by Vets for Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, USAF, 1968 to 1972. Our mission is real simple, to provide news, entertainment, and information of particular interest to area veterans and active service members and, of course, their families. This is our 18th broadcast and the first of 2020. And going forward this year, we'd kind of like to shift the focus a little bit more to the individual vet. We want to hear from you. We want to hear about your individual experience, how it affected you, how you're doing now, what are you doing now, and, and your message to fellow vets. Consider it a service to others who may be facing the same obstacles and benefit from your experience. And I promise you that it will be a friendly conversation from one fellow vet to another. And if you're not comfortable with the finished product, we won't air it. It's that simple. You can email me at vets at wjffradio.org or leave us a voicemail at 845-431-6500. Many of the issues facing our vets have to do with transition from the highly structured military world to the very unstructured civilian culture. Who will help them answer the question, What is my purpose now? Many of our oldest veteran service institutions, the VFW American Legion, for example, were born out of necessity because our government failed to provide for the well-being of returning veterans. And while many improvements have been made over the past several years to the VA, uh, the Mission Act, for example, uh, freedom of choice, the clampdown on accountability for patient care, and the clampdown on employees actually doing the work they're paid to do versus spending money on, and time on union activities. Uh, some things re- do remain the same, a bureaucracy is a bureaucracy. Accordingly, many agencies, both public and private, have picked up the slack to assist our heroes in uniform. Now, our last program focused on vets and homelessness, and tonight's program will touch on that same subject. And we're going to add the task of integrating our vets back into the civilian job market. So while some politicians are quick to publicly take credit for doing the jobs they're elected to do, it is really the men and women of all the agencies, private and public, who do their jobs every day without much recognition, and those are the folks that are truly focused on paying back our vets for their service and sacrifice. Begin Again Transitional Services for Vets, or better known as BATS, is an outreach ministry of New Beginnings Community Workshop Uh, located in Liberty. Excuse me, it's New Beginnings Community Worship Center, uh, located in Liberty, New York. This project provides short-term transitional housing and supportive services for single male veterans. Their objective is simple. It's to help each vet achieve greater self-confidence, improve long-term residential stability, and increase job skills and employment. And if you are seeking a new job or trying to get a better position, Sullivan County Workforce Development is a good place to start. 
They help folks prepare for and secure employment while also working with area employers to find the right people for their business. But as you will hear, there's a lot more under the hood of this multifaceted workforce development engine. But first, here are some dates of note in January. And January the 1st, of course, was New Year's Day. And January the 20th this year is Martin Luther King Day. If you are a single male veteran and need a clean, safe, supportive place to regroup, then Anthony Covington and Bats have your six. Anthony Covington, who's executive vice president yes. of Begin Again Transitional Services in Liberty, New York, or as it's known generally, BATS. Yes. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you very much, Doug. Thank you for having me. In preparation for this program, I read up a little bit on your website, but in, in a few words, just summarize what is BATS. BATS is a transitional housing program for homeless veterans. Um, it was established, it's an outreach ministry of New Beginnings Community Worship Center that was formed at the end of 2014. So why was this, this particular location selected? Well, let me just start off with this, Doug. Um, just to give everybody a overall general picture of BATS for veterans. Um, it actually is an outreach ministry, like I said previously, of New Beginnings Community Worship Center. Pastor Norman Graves, in 2008, um, uh, started a church called New Beginnings Community Worship Center. And actually, he asked if I had wanted to be a part of the uh, board of directors of New Beginnings. And once we got that up and running, a part of his vision was transitional services, Transitional um, services for? Anyone. We just didn't identify specifically a target population, but he knew that through the word of God that his vision needed to be that we need to provide some type of transitional services to the community. Arlene Greenberg and Jack Greenberg uh, lived on the same block that I have lived on, and um my family and her family were pretty close. And uh, when Jack passed away, we started to watch out for Arlene because her daughter, uh, Nancy, didn't live around, nor her son. So we would communicate. Um, when um, Arlene passed uh, away, one of the things that Nancy and Ron wanted to know was, Hey, did, you know, I, I joke about it. It was like, Hey, do you want the house? And I was like, no, I don't even want the, the shack that I'm living in. But, um, she did present, Hey, what do you think about the church? Do you think the church would want the house? And I said, I don't know. Let me ask. And I asked the pastor and he was like, sure. What do you want to do with it? And the only thing that I knew, Doug, is that I did not want to do alcohol and substance abuse services anymore. I was already in the field for over 25 years in alcohol services. I was uh, one of the vice president regional managers for up here for Daytop. And the pastor had worked for Daytop for a very long time. So we both put our heads together and we said, hey, let's do something for veterans, homeless veterans at that. So we started doing some research. 
and tried to figure out what was the target, you know, the census. We went to quite a few county meetings on homelessness up here. And that's what how BATS was established. The folks come directly to BATS or are they referred to BATS? And how does that all work? So we, we are a housing, transition housing. And um, you could come to BATS in several ways. You could come directly you can call the um the number of the website you can and do an intake or another agency can refer you we work closely with Sullivan County DFS we work also with any other veteran uh agency that work with local. the VA I yes, know we do work with the VA you work with the uh, Sullivan County Veteran Service Office yes we do ATI yes we do it, there's all types of ways to get into bats you know, you just need to meet the minimum qualifications, which is that you have to be honorably discharged and have your DD-214. And once you've at least had that requirements, and then we do other things like your mental health status, find out about your treatment and your legal to make sure that you qualify. Batch Veterans is not a housing where we provide services to individuals as an intense However, it does not necessarily mean that individuals who have a mental health, such as PTSD or any other mental health disorders, that they can't come here. The goal is to make sure that they're able and sufficient enough and efficient enough to manage on their own. Because the outcome is to make sure you get all the services that you need. And the ultimate goal is to end with permanent or long-term housing. So, you don't so and in order to do that, uh, a lot of these folks need to have other confidences and skills and habits to get on a, a, a steady ground so they can hold a permanent job yes. in order to afford to get into permanent yes. housing. So you're a, you're a one-stop shop. If you get a qualified vet coming in here and you do an assessment on what they need and what their status is, and then you make sure that they go to other professionals and other agencies to get the help that they need to stabilize them and to allow them to move on. Would yes. that be accurate? Yes. That, one of the things that we believe, and that's even with substance abuse, in order for a person to get the help that they need, the number one thing that needs to be taken care of is their housing. They need to be in some type of safe domicile where they feel at ease, they don't have to worry about nothing, they don't have to worry about the next meal, they don't have to worry about how they're going to shower or where they're going to put their head. Once that is accomplished, then we we reach out to other resources. We also work with Westcott. So we'll reach out to all these other agencies, local agencies, and refer them to them. You know, we don't want to duplicate any services that is already provided within the community. Right. So if someone needed services through ATI, we'll send them there. If right. someone needs services to SCADIS or to Catholic Charities or any form of alcohol or drug treatment, we'll refer them to there. Same thing with mental health, same thing with medical. And once they've established all of that, we even refer them to the DAV if they have not received or have not gotten the um, they benefits from the VA because they're, we're learning that there's veterans that come into here don't even want to be bothered with the VA for whatever reasons. So we try to talk with them and say, hey, if, you, if you're entitled to benefits, you need to get those. 
Um, so that's one of the main reasons why we require that all veterans who come through the transitional housing portion, that they have a honorable discharge that states on a DD-214. Okay, so let's take a couple of minutes here uh, and run down the list of services that I jotted down from your website. We have reached out, and there, so far we've had individuals come through BATS, uh, transitional housing that was either uh, uh, had to be referred to Catholic Charities or individual counseling independent. Right. Um, had to be referred to ATI. And to even go back, our actual first veteran was referred through, came from ATI, actually. Okay. Yeah. In conjunction with Adult Protective Services, because right. they was both working with this uh, older gentleman. So once we connect them to whoever they need to be connected to, and also sometimes they're already connected. You know, if they came through DS, DFS, because DFS has their stipulations, they have to meet some qualifications, such as go through SCADAs, get them into health, and all this other good stuff. And once we have established what needs are and what services that are needed, um, they're referred to those particular services, and we do make contact just for communication. We just want to make sure that they're doing okay because the goal is, hey, your housing is okay, but we want to make sure you're following what your course of treatment is supposed to be. Okay, so we've decided that the vet needs some specific services, so let's run down and, and tell me how you would vet progresses. Legal counseling services. So one of the things that the, if there is a veteran that needs some form of legal counsel, we will reach out to several legal attorneys within the area because there are some attorneys that will provide services. Is to, there a group? There probably is, but yeah. we don't. We don't. So you you're dealing with individual attorneys yeah. that have agreed to do pro bono yeah. work for veterans, or they have a cost reduction. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. a cost reduction. Yeah. We're not working directly with an actual group. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. How about financial counseling, which is essential if I if I'm gonna make a comeback, I got to learn how to handle yeah. my finances. Right? Yeah. Those services we will reach out to some of the local, which we have done already, to some of the local banks. Like we, when we first started, we had reached out to U.S. Alliance. Um, we'll reach out to uh, any other financial institution that will come in. Uh, even whether if it's through BOCES or the college, who will come in and try to meet with the guys, even including ATI. We're, if they offer uh, financial services as well, we have them come in and meet with the guys and okay. give them the, their options on what they need to do. Transportation is a big part of things up here because people often can't get to the services they need because it's such a large right. geographic territory. Right. So one of the things that we... <clears throat> We do provide transportation, right? But the, the transportation that we provide is for non-medical because mostly all the guys that come in, they usually have some type of health insurance and usually it's Medicaid, right? So anything medically, they are they can get transportation for. Now, we do have individuals who need to go to court, which medical transportation is not going to provide that. So we right. will provide and help the person get to court. So you work with the Veterans uh, Treatment Court, right? You work with that we have, system? Yeah, we have. Yeah. If there's a veteran that they know about us, I don't think we have, as of yet, had a veteran referred from them yet. Okay. But they are aware of who we are. We've met with them several times. 
I have one on here that ties into something that we talked about earlier. Okay. At permanent housing placement. And you have a flyer in your hands. Yes. That you want to talk about something that's really exciting. Coming soon, long-term housing will be happening with uh, Bats for Veterans. There was another family seeing what we were doing with Bats. And they caught me out and said, hey, I see what you're doing with Bats. And it was like, do you want another property? And I was like, sure, why not? And what we decided to do, decide to do long-term housing. Long-term housing, which is for anyone. This is not just geared to males only. It could okay. be females or, 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 or male. But again, so, it's veterans. It's veterans only. Okay. So could we sticking with veterans. We're not dealing with uh, anything else. Um, so we have two units, which is attached. It's a one studio plus apartment and a three-bedroom house. And it's on 44 Carrier Street. So far, we're hoping to have it up and running way before the end of the year. You can actually probably get, get more information on our website on batsforvets.org. We are going to be starting accepting applications. And if you want to inquire about it, you can also call 845-747-8259. Once again, 845-747-8259. Um, leave a message and definitely get back to you or shoot us an email. And we will give you more information. We, will, we are planning an open house. Hopefully, it should be next month. Um, we're looking at it. We're going to be finalizing some of that stuff today. We have a meeting this evening. So, we're going to hopefully finalize that. But, yes, this is a new, exciting thing for bats because we are also expanding. You know, So, we looked at the fact that, hey, uh, we thought that this was sufficient enough for some. So, how long do people normally stay in this facility? Well, bat. The the 15 Dixon property is really a 69-month. However, if they need an extension because of something happened, the, the place that they was looking to go to fell through, they can get it. Right. But we really try to make sure that they are ready to go within the 69-month period. Now, these other two properties, what that's longer term, how does, is it different, six to nine months, or is it? No, th that's long term. So what's long term? Well, it, it's I mean it's like you're renting a place. So it's it can be per permanent. Yes, permanent. Yeah. And and the vet actually is going to pay for. Yeah, they okay. will they will stay there. Everything so far we're finding we're trying to fine tune some things, um, with yeah. how that will work. But everything is is uh, will be included so far as we know. But. Um, but it's a beautiful piece of property. So a vet could theoretically move from here into there. If they if if they qualify. Even right. though because you're a part of the fifteenth Dixon transitional does not necessarily also mean I mean you would get the first priority to apply. Mm -hmm. But they would have to go through a whole process. And so that between else. those two properties there's uh three bedrooms and one house and then a an apartment. Yes. Together. So it's attached. So it's a it's a it's a duplex, <clears throat> okay. right? And each place got their own entrance. Yeah. Um and one is the studio plus which is a studio and then the house has three bedrooms, kitchen, dining room, beautiful okay. living room with a fireplace. So here's uh, one of the final questions I have for you. When you have a vet in and you've brought them in and you've determined what they need and you've arranged for them to get the help that they need and kind of along the way given them a gentle push or gentle guidance to keep them on the right path, when do you decide that a vet is ready to move on 
and is able to be dependent on their own, or is it something that is the onus is on the vet to show you that they can do it? It's both. Okay. So we have vets that come in here and they're either referred through another agency or they're self-referred. And some vets that come in here already receive benefits. Some are able to actually work. So one of the main things when you talk about financial, we always talk about, especially those who receive benefits or who was able to work, we, we look at a monthly statement. We want to, we want to see, are you saving your money? And if you're not, then we take the necessary steps to make sure you get the counseling that you need. That's the first thing. Because the goal is, hey, you need to save money. You need to show us how you, you, you're living, you know. And then we got to make sure that you are doing everything else that you are required to do. Whether if you are part of alcohol and drug treatment, you have legal issues. If you have mental health issues, we want to make sure all those things are in place. Once you are able to show that you are responsible enough to maintain all your appointments, you're responsible enough to take care of yourself, then we have a discussion. And and part of that discussion is, is when when a person first come in is where are you looking to live? You know, in other agencies it's like, okay, they for alcohol and drug abuse is more about recovery. For us, the moment you walk in, it's like welcome where are you looking to live? Because that's the ultimate goal is right. to find permanent housing. Once you identify where you would like to stay, we begin to work on that. As you progress and you showing that you're responsible, then we will begin to we assist you in applying for apartments. And uh, like our first vet, he lives up in Amsterdam now. We helped him get up there. Um, one of our other vets, we helped to get into Golden Ridge. So it, it's wherever they want to go, and if they could prove that they're when they're ready, several discussions and us reaching out to other sources. And and once we say, okay, it's time for you to move on, then we start to look for housing. So the vets that come in here generally understand that this is a stopover and they're genuinely trying to improve their own circumstances yes. from the get-go? From the Yes. They start out like that. And sometimes there might be a little bit of a detour. But we help them get back on the right track. Okay. You know, I mean, regardless, if we're not, we, the goal is is to always help. We'll, uh, if we have an individual who's continuously uh, drinking and, and, and doing whatever, it, it's like, okay, you can't stay now. We got, you need a higher level of care. So we just don't be like, oh, you can't stay here, get out. So what would happen in that case? Oh, we would refer them to uh, uh, treatment. Like an inpatient crisis. So it's a warm handoff. You yeah. know they're being taken care yes. of. Yeah. It's yeah. not just see you later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless yeah. they unless they are refusing and they have a choice. Right. We sit and we talk with them and say, Hey, this is what needs to happen because you've had too many lapses. Well, and that's key to their survival. Yeah. Life choices and making the right choice. Right. Yeah. And and some of them it, it, they they understand and some of them make the decision and and be like, no, I'd rather not do that. I'm going to do this. And I go, okay, you know, but once you get yourself together, you know, and you do what you have to do, you know, you could reach out. But, you know, because VATS, the transitional housing, is really a safe place. There's no alcohol. There's no drugs. You can't be involved in it. 
because we want people to feel safe here. Right. Anthony, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Doug. One more time for our listeners. How can people help Batch? Right. And how do we get in touch with Batch? There's several ways. And the priority on my list is that I wish that we could have a bigger volunteer team that we do have. Uh, we do need a lot of people to help us out and volunteer-wise. Uh, you can go to our website, batsforvets.org, or you can call 845-747-8259 for, uh, more, uh, to get information on how you can be part of the volunteer team. We're always looking for donations, definitely all types of donations, such as cosmetics, toiletries, yeah. stuff like that, you know, um, towels, things like that for the veterans. Because when veterans come in, because everything is, is provided for them. So when they come in, you come in, you get you a towel, a washcloth, you get your toiletries, you get all your stuff. They don't necessarily need anything. If they choose not to use the stuff that we got, they can go and buy it if they have the funds. But, right, right. But they, they get provided with all that stuff. So we always need to stock up on towels and washcloths and toiletries and cosmetics and stuff like that. And you don't provide them with any funds yourself? No. No. No, we don't provide any funds uh, to them whatsoever. So it's a, a safe stopover on the way to independence. Exactly. That was, that's a you very like good that? way. I you like may that. use that. Yes, yeah, a safe way to stop over for independence. <laughs> I'm sure you have that. I like that one. Uh, but yeah, it, it's great for that. I mean, you know, um, that's the biggest thing right now. I mean, we are looking for other opportunities. You do any fundraising? Oh, big time. And actually, I'm glad that you did say that because I am looking for a per diem event planner and uh, uh, event planner, event coordinator. Because we do, we just had a fundraiser just past weekend. Um, we did a breakfast. Yeah. yeah, we did a breakfast, which turned out to be awesome. I would like to thank everyone who actually came out and supported us that day. We actually, you know, made over like $2,800, um, which was great because we needed to help with the assistance to put the new boiler and stuff in for 44 carriers so we can keep it going. Any others coming up? Fundraisers? A normal fundraiser that we normally do, which will happen in May, and it's going to be the, either the Friday or the Saturday right after Mother's Day. We usually do a gala, um, but I think we're changing things this year. So we are planning on, just to let you know, September, if I'm correct, September 19th of next year, we are going to be doing our fifth annual 5K, 10K Kids Mile Walk. Okay. It's going to be September 19th. We're, we're definitely looking for people to help us out. Okay, just another example of services available to veterans in Sullivan County. Another example of the people that are devoted to making sure that veterans get the help that they need and that they've earned. Begin again transitional services, a safe place to stop on the road's journey to independence. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. And there you have it from Bats, Anthony Covington. We thank you very much for that. We have a very short window here to do a little bit of news, so here it is. 
U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs began deciding claims for Blue Water Navy Veteran Veterans Act of 2019 at 12.01 a.m. Philippine Standard Time, January 1st. The Philippines is the farthest east VA regional benefits office. The VA extends the presumption of herbicide exposure that includes toxins such as Agent Orange to veterans who served in offshore waters of the Republic of Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Signed into law June 25th, the law specifically affects Blue Water Navy veterans who served no more than 12 nautical miles offshore the Republic of Vietnam between January 6, 1962 and May 7, 1975, as well as veterans who served in the Korean Demilitarized Zone, the DMZ, between January 1, 1967 and August 31, 1971. These veterans can now apply for disability compensation and other benefits if they have since developed one of 14 conditions that are presumed to be related to exposure to herbicides. Veterans uh, do not need to prove that they were exposed to herbicides. The uh, specific conditions can be found by searching the term Agent Orange on the uh, va.gov website. Uh, To be eligible, a veteran must have served in identified locations during a specified time period, currently have a condition associated with herbicide exposure, such as Agent Orange. Blue Water Navy claims are being processed under current prioritization criteria. However, special priority is being given to veterans who are over the age of 85 and have terminal conditions, qualifying recipients including uh, affected veterans who are still living and um, certain survivors of deceased BWN and uh, Korean DMC veterans. If you are a vet seeking a new job or trying to get a better position, Sullivan County Workforce Development is a good place to start. They help folks prepare for and and secure employment while also working with area employers who are looking to find the right people for their business. And as you will hear, there's a lot more under the hood of this multifaceted workforce development engine. who's director of the Sullivan County Workforce Development. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So our mission is to find agencies that are of service to veterans and explore that because we want the veterans to know what they've earned. On your website, you have a, a, a statement at the top which says a high-quality local workforce is a critical part of a stable economy. And by building and strengthening the workforce in Sullivan County, we can accomplish several things. One is new businesses prefer to locate in the area that have the necessary numbers of qualified workers to support their ventures. We can attract new businesses that will strengthen and diversify our economy by supplying more jobs and creating a more competitive environment that will lead to an increase in wages. And by maintaining a local workforce, we could expect to see a large portion of dollars earned to be spent locally which would further strengthen the economy of the county. That sounds like a win-win to me. So how long has this agency been here? When was it created? I have been at this for 28 years. When I became the director, I found paperwork in the office that went back to the 60s. So back to what was called back then manpower, and then it became CETA, and then it became other iterations of job training programs. And here we are. 
but still focused on taking the uh, community that employs people yes. and finding people that fulfill those jobs and taking people that don't have the necessary skills and bringing them up to speed a little bit, right? Absolutely. I've always viewed our office as a bridge and bringing both sides of that bridge together. Okay. So. And there's a lot of folks in this general area that, for various reasons, would need those job skills training. They're now trying to carve their way back, and there's a lot of veterans in the area in the same type of circumstances for some different reasons. There's, I think there's some different drivers when you're talking about veterans, but still, they fall into the same thing. Do you find that to be true? I agree, yep. Yeah. So let's talk about your process a little bit. Stealing a lyric from an old standard, please tell our listeners how you do that voodoo that you do so well. You know, I'm very fortunate that uh, I have a great team of folks that I, I, I work with. And at our main career center in Monticello, we also partner with the, New York, the local New York State Department of Labor. And I think what makes us very good at what we do besides the dedication of the staff and who they are is the fact that we will partner with any outside agency. We will help anybody however we can. If it's, if it's not something we can provide, we're on the phone trying to make the right referrals, trying to get people to where they, they need to be. The idea that we're part of the division of planning for the county makes us part of economic development, which is exactly where we should be. Businesses look to come in. They want to know where's the workforce and then where's the location. Um, workforce is typically the number one issue. So to me, our job is it's very one-on-one. -on -one. How do we help each person customize the services that they need, whether they have no issues or they have a lot of struggles, and how can we get them on a path that's their path? And then what do we need to do to support them to get to where they want to be? How does one come to you? What is your typical intake? Do people walk in the door, referrals from other agencies? It depends. Okay. We have programs. If somebody's collecting unemployment, right, they um, are required to come to the Career Center and meet with Department of Labor staff to receive reemployment services. If through that process it's determined that this person's interested in training um, and skill building, they can come to us because that's one of the things that we provide is financial support and guidance to get training. If somebody happens to be in a point in their life where they need public assistance, my office runs what's called the Welfare to Work Program, and we help those folks get back on their feet. There's a set of services within our building that anybody, you and I can walk in there today and say, I need help with my resume. Fine, we have a bank of 10 computers. We have all kinds of programs. We can help you. We have staff that can help somebody walk through, get their resume together, different ways to search for jobs. A lot of employers now want online applications and there's tricks to online applications. So we try and help folks get prepared to be able to do an online application so they're successful because you can get timed out. So those are services absolutely anybody can come in and get. If you need more in intensive services, career counseling, training, if you have a specific need like public assistance or unemployment, those are targeted um, programs that you come in. So we get referrals from other agencies because we do partner with a lot of folks. Um, we get walk-in traffic, and we get folks that are required to come in. 
I want to talk about vets sure. in particular. It, it appears to me there are people truly in need of a hand up yes. to get back into the swing of things for various reasons. And the bureaucracy is rigged so that if I'm getting these benefits for my family and I go and get a job to try and get away from these benefits, there's some conflicting issues there that are going to take these benefits away if I get too far. That's true. Okay. We try and figure out how to make the bureaucracy work. You you absolutely can have someone who does everything they're supposed to do, they get their job skills, they get a job, right? We can provide what's called transition services okay. for families. So they can get transportation until they get their second check or third check, depending. Then there's like the working parent program for childcare that can offset some of that cost. Then part of what we do for folks, regardless of what program they're in, is the plan that we help them put together not only identifies what their career goal is, but we also look at those obstacles that they need to overcome, and then we help them make a plan to overcome it. Okay. The group of individuals that most likely can get jammed up are individuals. They don't have children. They're individuals that are getting services because the way that the laws are written is the minute that individual gets a job and gets a paycheck, everything stops. So we try when we're working with our single individuals that are receiving public assistance to get as much cushion and planning done with them ahead of time so that we can maybe not completely eliminate, sometimes we can, but at least cushion it. I looked at your board of trustees, and there's, it's big. Yes, it is. There's a lot of people. And they all appear to be business... The majority. Uh, the majority yep, of the majority of the board. So you have people that believe in your mission, otherwise they wouldn't spend the time to be on the board of trustees. Yes. And they are willing to help if we get people that have the skill sets that they need yes. in their businesses, right? Absolutely. Yep. They take advantage of the programs that are out there. Absolutely. They are, at times, our best salespeople. Do businesses come to you or can businesses come to you and say, I have this this person that could benefit on some updated training in technology or computers or something. Can you help me? Yes. They can. Yes, we can. Like the simple example that I've always used is that person who's been a bookkeeper in a small business for 25 years on ledgers now is going into a new job and this new business says oh we do QuickBooks that person can come to us and we can get them training in QuickBooks okay are these county guidelines for your agency or are they state guidelines um, a lot of it's federal because our money is federal okay our main pot of money which is known as the Workforce Innovations and Opportunities Act is federal Dollars. Okay. It comes down through the state and then down to us. That's um, We get other grants that are state-driven, uh, and so whatever those grants and funding guidelines are, that's what we have to follow. This show is called Let's Talk Vets. Okay. So let's talk vets. And on your website you say, quote, veterans come first. The Department of Labor has a veterans rep that comes up once or twice a month that focuses, his services are focused on disabled veterans. Okay. We get job orders in. Like a business calls, I'm looking for this person, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for this position. That veteran gets the priority on that job order. If I hit a situation where our training dollars are tight, 
and I have a choice between funding this individual who happens to be a veteran or funding this other individual, the veteran gets the priority, or their spouse. We've done also things with our job fairs where we've asked veterans when they come in if they'd like to self-identify, we give them a flag sticker, and all the businesses know ahead of time that if someone has that flag sticker on, they're a veteran because we want our businesses to also give that priority as well in hiring. Okay, let's let's get down to some of your unique services. So you've mentioned a couple of times the Career Center. So physically, what is that, and where is it? The Career Center is on 50 North Street in Monticello. It's across from Municipal Parking Lot. You walk into that building, and you have both the Center for Workforce Development staff and the Department of Labor staff, although you'll never know who works for who. In the center of that, what we call the resource room. That's where all of our computers are, our fax machine, our copy machine, whatever, that absolutely anyone can go in and get all of that basic resume application, job search, all of that stuff. If you're coming in off the street and you're not sure what you want, but you need to or you want to apply for a job, you need a resume, you can get your resume service if through that process you're like, you know what, I need to apply online but I don't have an email, we'll set you up with an email. We know in this county that there are a number of people that do not have access to computers. You can come into the Career Center anytime you need for job-related issues and use our computers. And when is that open? Uh, it is open Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 5. You know, the military does a great job taking John Doe or Jane Doe, and in basic training, the philosophy used to be, at least when I was in, we're going to knock everybody down doesn't matter where you came from, you have money, you don't have money, everybody's going to be equal at the end of this process. And then we're going to build everybody up together. That's their philosophy, and it seems to work pretty well. They do a great job getting people in the door. They don't do a great job helping people out the door, although they're working harder on it yes, they are. these days to help folks transition. So my question for you specifically is, where do you start with a vet who comes to you that, you know, was raised in a, a relatively poor town in Sullivan County or wherever, didn't excel at high school or maybe dropped out of high school and decided to join the military because the recruiter smiled nice and made him a lot of promises or her a lot of promises. And they went in and became an infantry person or uh, an artillery person or something like that that doesn't translate uh, well into civilian markets for jobs. What is the process you go through first to find out what they might be good at mm -hmm. and then see what they're interested in and help them get there? How do you do that? I have one staff person in particular um, who does a lot of work online in terms of when she's sitting with that veteran. She has different things online that she'll go through to help take this, the technical skills that uh, a person learned in the military to see what that translates okay. what that translates to. But in addition, there are internal skills, not technical skills. So if you've been in the military, you know how to follow a schedule, you know how to get things done, you know how to take direction, you may even know how to lead depending on whatever it is that you did. You know, you have attention to detail. You know how to care for equipment. You know, there's all of those skills that are required in most jobs. Correct. And so, to me, we're doing a lot more work on pulling a lot of those skills out and helping people transition. 
And so the conversation shifts. It shifts to those skills. And that's how you then market yourself to a new employer. Because if you have basic mechanical skills, you can learn a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Right? An employer is going to train you the way they want you to learn in any way. Right. But if you bring that eagerness to learn, that desire to work, that strong work ethic and whatever, more and more employers are saying to me, just get me those folks. Yeah. And I'll and, take care of them. And rent. you don't last in the military unless you have that. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest strength. All right. Business services, I yes. think probably we touched on some of that, but maybe you want to... We do. I've been fortunate the last couple of years to be able to hire a business services specialist. Okay. So all she does is provide business services. You know, we help people find work in different ways. We have our annual countywide job fair okay. that we do. Where is that and, and when is that? Uh, it's typically in April or May, and it's began at the Sullivan or something where we can fit a large number of businesses. Okay. In. And how many how many businesses attended last year? Um, was it, was it almost sixty? And do you, do you do you have do you keep track of statistics of the folks that went to these things? How many got hired as a result? Do you get feedback from your we business do. community? We do follow-up surveys. Um, when individuals come in, we ask them if they'll fill out a brief little form so we can count how many people came through. Gotcha. We do some follow-up within the first 30, 60 days to see how many hires, you know, uh, what would you change, what would you do differently. And then we do uh, mini job fairs at our career center. Uh, we can we can fit four to five businesses in there, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll do that every other month. Okay. Businesses can call and sign up and say, want to be on the mini job fair? Fine. It's usually the third week of the month, and it's a two-hour recruitment. We had one yesterday. We had 45 people come in mm-hmm. to meet with the different uh, businesses. We also have some businesses that will... Like right now, the Center for Discovery is recruiting on-site with us monthly. We have other businesses that will do three- or four-month stints. So we work with smaller businesses. We also work on the recruitment efforts of, like, the Cartwright Water Park or the Yo One Wellness Center, the larger employers that, that come in. The Wellness Center, Yo One Wellness Center, spent about three months recruiting on-site with us um, at our career center. And then we do one-on-one. Where we'll have an employer say, I'm looking for this specific position. We go through everybody that we have in our database, which is a couple thousand people given all the programs, and see if we can make a match. So if you're doing that and you're doing it correctly, which I presume you probably are, then when that person gets down to go to HR at that employer and formally apply for that job, they're pretty well on their way to getting that job, huh? We hope. We'll help anybody. Right. Right? But our primary focus, where we put a lot of our energy, are on folks who really need us for a sustained period of time. Yes. Right? So whether it's economics, and they're just very poor, and they need a lot of help to get back on their feet. Right. We have people that are in recovery from addiction. And, in fact, I was fortunate this year to get a grant specifically to help those folks dealing with the opioid addiction, mm-hmm. to give them training, get them back on their feet, their family members, you know, whomever. People that have records, criminal records, have incredible issues in trying to get hired. And then you have folks that have mental health issues. 
um, that can have PTSD or they can have other, you know, depression and, and other issues where they may need some accommodation. You get to know when you're working in the employer community. I can send this person over here. I can. Those folks we give lots of time and attention to. Self-employment services and guidance. Let's talk about that. Our office doesn't do a tremendous amount with that except in terms of referral. Being, being part of the planning division in the county is very helpful. The planning division has uh, a micro-enterprise loan program that they can do for small business startups. Okay. We also work closely. We're part of the economic development. So how large, how large a, uh, I don't know, it's a grant or a loan, if I wanted to start a small business, could I get? It depends on what your need is, but I'm... If my memory serves me correctly, it is thirty thousand might be the max. Okay, and and they need to produce, I would presume, a business plan. All right. They go through a training where they must produce the business plan. They then apply. Not everybody gets funded. Right. Because it's got to be a pretty solid plan. Sure. Some of the folks may have a pretty solid plan, but this may not be right for them, and so you have the small business um, administration right. Right. down. Um, they live in the same building as the. Yep partnership. Yep. Sometimes we start there. Sometimes uh, if the Partnership for Economic Development is looking to bring employers in, they will bring me in to meet with the employer to talk about the available labor force, and then I get an idea of what they're looking for. I then need to uh, talk to Sullivan County BOCES, or I need to talk to SUNY Sullivan and say, this is coming. What kind of training? Can we put something together? Can we do this or can we do that? As we get toward the end here, if you can give us a give us an example of a veteran, how they came to you, how you got involved, the type of training that they needed, and what you were able to do for them to get them where they needed to be. When someone comes into our office who is a veteran and they identify as a veteran, my staff person, Renee Vandermark, would most likely be the one to sit with them. And she would go through what we call an assessment, get an idea. What is this person looking for? Where are they coming from? Right. Do they have all their papers? You know, what's their... Right. Right, all of that that stuff. If we need to do basic testing to get reading math, right? Well, depending on what you're, what you're interested in. If somebody doesn't have an idea of where to get training or, or what to do, we help. Actually, I do have an example that Renee just shared with me um, of a veteran. And she came in, and she, she does suffer from PTSD. And she's like, I don't want to deal with any of the vet services, or I just want a job. She wants to be a truck driver. So she's going to go through CDLB training. Now, where does she get that? Um, we work with a CDT in Kingston. Okay, that's a driver training? Driver training program. Yeah. We pay for it. Okay. Right. You go through that process. What does something like that cost, do you know? For CDL, it's a few thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right so we go through, we help that happen. And at that same time, we happen to know right now that there's about four or five employers that are looking for drivers. Drivers so are a hot commodity. They are a hot commodity because it's no longer um, an interesting trade for people to go into. Very much like carpentry, very yep. much like a lot of the other trades. Yep. Um, there's yep. a, The average age of a in the carpenters union, I believe, is 52. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Because I look around and, and I hear of these young, younger generation, younger people, and I have a couple of nephews that fall into that category, and I'm saying, 
man, you can make good money because for years people like us have been sending our kids to college. Yes. Other people may not be able to do these things. So you know what they got to do? They got to hire a plumber. Yes. Who gets 80 bucks an hour. Yes. Or an electrician and you can make a good living. And it's not and those are trades not easily outsourced. What we do find is especially with some of the um, Iraqi and Afghanistan vets that have come back. Mm -hmm. They either just want to go to work or they're going to school. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and ours is, if we can help you find a job, let us help you. When you're done with school and whatever it is, you need help, come see us. Um, the good thing that has been is we've participated in Sioux Stand Downs this year recently and the one last year. Yeah. And That's then, why I got your name. Yes, and Congressman Faso had put a veteran services thing together over at the college that we participated in. That's not something <laughs> we had done before, and that has opened doors for us, and we've met a lot of other agencies. Mm -hmm. uh, that provide services to vets, lots of other good stuff. Okay, so uh, um, number seven is who's eligible for your services, and the answer is everybody. Everybody's eligible for some service. Everybody okay. isn't eligible for everything. Correct. But everybody's Correct. eligible for something. Fair to say you have a rather large menu, and there should be something for everybody on that menu. Yes. That needs help. How do our listeners begin the process of either transitioning to civilian occupation or gaining more employable skills or getting a better job? Who do they call? Uh, Where they, can they go? They can walk into 50 North Street. Okay. This is just the administrative office. Okay. Sullivan County Career Center. Mm -hmm. Park across the street in the municipal lot. Okay. Monday through Friday, 830 to 5. Okay. And you can come in and you can say, I want to talk to somebody about a career change. Yep. I want to work on my resume. I want to look for work. I'm interested in training. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Megan at the front will direct you mm -hmm. to the, the, the right place. Mm -hmm. You can call 807-0620, and if you're interested in training, you can ask specifically uh, to speak to Renee Vandermark, um, or you can speak with uh, my assistant director, Peggy Marchese. You can mm -hmm. ask to speak to her. Aside from the hard technical skills that you work with, how to write a resume, how to access this, how to do that, how to do an online application, um, where to get training to do whatever. There's there's something that, for want of a better term, I'll call comportment. Do you talk to folks about not only having the requisite skills to do the job, but presenting themselves in a way that turns the employer on versus turning them off? Yes, it is. Part of our work readiness okay. um, program. We actually worked the last couple of years and created um, a career readiness program that was different than the traditional. We have a lot of the traditional services. Interviewing skills, they talk about how do you dress, how do you okay. present yourself. Job search skills, the different ways that you can find jobs online and traditional. Uh, all of those workshops are there. How about interfacing with customers, customer service? What we found is there was a piece missing. Those, to me, are survival skills. Everybody knows how to survive. You can get, you know what you need to do to get through the day. What we want to do is figure out how to help people thrive. And so we know all of those job interview, job search workshops, all those things are like higher-level survival skills. So we worked on creating this career readiness program that does much more internal work. We have a foundation of mindfulness in this program. We try and help people become very present 
Learn how to know, like know yourself, know what your triggers are. Know, learn how to communicate. Learn how to uh, deal with conflict on a deeper level than just going through the catchphrasey type training that can that can be out there. So introspectively, Much learning how the the person that you're talking to or applying to or the customer that you're dealing with sees you. Absolutely, and. If you had to deal with inclusivity, right, how to accept people where they're at, right, and just there's a lot of folks that really struggle um, with that. There's a tremendous amount of judgment. So how do you become one of those those people that you just don't do that? You mm-hmm. take people for where they're at. You know how to deal with conflict. You know how to speak appropriately. You um, know what your triggers are, and you know how to deal and walk away from that. And so we've, we've launched that, and we're going into our third class in December. People can call and sign up if they want to. And we're attaching to that next year customer service component, Beautiful. a heavy customer service component. Beautiful. Because that is really, you need strong customer service skills regardless of the job you have. Most people consider customers the outside entity that your company is dealing with, the person mm-hmm. I'm selling to. But in in any company or any organization, we're dealing with internal customers, mm-hmm. and we switch roles Yes, from the provider to the consumer as yep. we go down the chain. Tremendous. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here, and I really appreciate your time. This was fun. Well, thank you. I tried to make it yeah, fun. Yeah, I enjoyed this very much. All right. Let's go over one more time how do our listeners contact this agency, who do they call? I'll make it easy. Yep. The best thing to do is to call um, 807-0620. That is the front desk of the Sullivan County Career Center, uh, which is at 50 North Street in Monticello, open Monday through Friday, 830 to 5. And ask specifically for Peggy Marchese. She is the assistant, my assistant director. Okay. She would be the best starting point. All right, great. Uh, website? The county's website. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take. That is under construction. I'm working actually with an organization that's helping me rebuild our little, our, our little section so of that. Subliminal messages: get a cup of coffee and be prepared to spend some time poking. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I've heard this before. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Are you in a situation where somebody could contribute? Yes. If there was someone who. That would actually, the, the board of trustees that I have, it's the Workforce Development Board. It's a 501c3. Okay. Uh, that, that would be where the donation would go. Okay. To them. Well, this has been a very uh, interesting couple of minutes here. And uh, Laura Quigley, director of the Sullivan County Workforce Development Agency. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this evening, another, our 18th edition of Let's Talk Vets. We gratefully acknowledge the following people and organizations for their contributions to this program. Anthony Covington, Executive VP of Bats, and Laura Quigley, Executive Director, Sullivan County Workforce Development. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Vets. Please tell your friends about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so that we may get them in the normal rotation for public service announcements and on this program. You can email me at vets at wjffradio.org 
Leave us a voicemail at 845-431-6500. Till next time, I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your service. Company dismissed. Support comes from you and from the Rupert Reporter newspaper 